Thank you, Zach, and the worship team uh, for leading us this morning, especially in a song like Only a Holy God, uh, a day like today. It's important as we look to God's Word. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, uh, that's where we'll be this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Um, our world is filled with empty words. Uh, we have uh, plenty of words flowing out, plenty of words being recorded. Uh, I think it's fascinating that in our technological age that uh, we, uh, when it comes to politicians and celebrities and pastors and people who are recorded, uh, you can go back and you can see what they said, exactly what they said, and you can uh, turn that back on them and say, you said this one time, and uh, the response basically for most today is just, well, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Whatever I said, I didn't mean it, or I changed my mind, I changed my mind, uh, or those words were just words, they weren't something that I truly believed in. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage that's a passage of caution, a warning passage, a passage that shares with us to not be filled with empty words, but be careful about our words. And it, as we look at this passage, we realize, too, that, that this is a passage for us this morning. Couldn't be more applicable for us. Uh, in this day and age where we live in our homes, in our raising of children and grandchildren, uh, how important is it for us to remember that our words mean something? And so uh, with that in mind, I'd like to read to you, uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you the first seven verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. God's Word says this, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few, for a, a dream comes with much busyness. And a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? And when dreams increase and words grow, grow, words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning. I pray that it would change us and bring us into that place where you want us to be. God, help us to uh, acknowledge that uh, your opinion matters most, and your desire for us is best for us, and it's uh, the place where you have created us for. God, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
may be seated. So this morning, uh, this passage that we're going to look at uh, turns to the issue of worship. Uh, If you've been with us for the study of the book of Ecclesiastes, we realize that over and over and over and over again, uh, it's this meaninglessness of life that nothing matters, that our accomplishments, our great stories, our our great uh, escapades and vacations and our relationships, nothing matters. It's, there's a sense of emptiness to it all. And now he turns to our worship, our worship, our time before God. And I realized this morning it's very important for us to acknowledge that this time is not worshiping in the house of God. This is not the temple. There's nothing special about this building other than it was built and designed that God's people would meet to worship here. We could worship out in the parking lot, and maybe someday we should. Maybe out in the weed field over there. Uh, But we should cut the weeds down prior to that. Uh, Maybe we could meet down there. We could meet anywhere um, and worship God. But what he's, he's describing here, he is turning to the issue of worship and what is worship? Well, it's anything where we draw near God. Our singing, I hope, is worship. I hope it is. I hope this isn't just something I love music and so I come. It's great that you love music, but it doesn't mean you've worshipped God if you've just listened to music or even uh, sung or played. It doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is a, a worshiper's heart connecting with the God of the universe. So that could be worship. Our, our prayers, uh, obviously our prayers, uh, I really think in this passage, it's almost, uh, this is the primary idea, is when we come before God. Uh, it could be our study of God's Word as we open this book and as we consider what God has said. Worship, our, our care and concern for one another, an act of worship. And as we go through this this morning, I want you to ask the question, what is it for my worship? What is it that I need to be doing? Where, where am I astray uh, when it comes to the worship of a holy God? As we begin uh, in verse 1, it says, guard your steps, guard your steps. Uh, in my house, if you come to my house, we uh, have a, a sunken living room and it's a little deceiving sometimes, and as you enter from the front or even our back door, you step right down. And so I, I always want to be careful uh, when people come over to the house. I don't really care about the teenagers so much, but like uh, if they're older, I, I want to say, watch your step, watch your step. Be careful. And why is that? Um, because most of us just go for it in life, Right? We're just, we're just going. We have places to go and people to see. And we, we're, we're pushing and shoving. And, and faster is always better. And when you're fast and you, something unexpectedly comes up, uh, it, people take a tumble, right? I can imagine uh, a military leader uh, speaking to his troops that are going out to the battlefield. A battlefield that, is, uh, that the enemy has had and there are minefields out there. And he says, uh, you should watch your step. You should be careful where you're going. 
Uh, there, there's, there's minefield out there. There's mines planted. There, there's places where you could uh, step on and blow yourself up and the rest of your team. And, and so you need to be careful. As he shares that, he, he'd say, last thing, just remember, watch your step. Be careful where you go. Um, when we know something is dangerous, when we think through the implications, could, the cost could be great. Uh, we're careful about handling something. We're careful about this. And, and this is the call uh, from the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes as he turns to the issue of worship. Worship being one of the only things that isn't meaningless. And really, if you look at this passage, he's warning them that your worship would not be meaningless. That there would be an emptiness and a, uh, that you would do worship wrong, wrongly. He says, guard your step. Watch your step. He says, guard your step when you go to the house of God. And the picture here is when you go to worship, they would go to the house of God. They would go to the place, the presence of God in the temple. And they would go in, in hopes, in planning, in scheduling, I am going to worship. I want to tell you that this should be a thought in your mind. That during your day, during your week, that there would be times set aside where you are intent on being a worshiper. You're mindful of it. You're stepping towards God. You're saying, I need to spend time with my God. It's so important. As we spend time here, and I really want to make a distinction this morning, that this is not the house of God. It's not the same for us. And In the New Testament, he shares that the temple is really our body, and anywhere where where we, this is the place and, and that we can have relationship with Him anywhere. And yet He calls us to seek after Him, to be with His people, to gather as His church. And so He, he, says, he says, as I go to the house of God, why do we come? Why do we come here on a Sunday morning? Why do we go to Bible study? Why, why do we gather in homes? Why does the youth group gather why is it that we have children's ministry? Why? Why? All this is to, to be and to train up worshipers. I want to stop for a moment and just say, um, especially those of us who are older, uh, sometimes we look at those who are younger and we go, oh, they're so irreverent. They're so irreverent. Ah, oh, just like the kids these days. Uh, once you start out with a sentence like that, that's, by the way, that's how you know that you're old. You start out sentences like, the kids these days, you know, you start, that, that tips you off that you've crossed the threshold. Uh, um, I want to encourage you about some of those things. Uh, kids need to be taught. Kids need to be taught to be worshipers. This is not, there's nothing like this time. In their life. Nothing like it. Uh, it's not like school. It's not like recess. It's not like baseball. It's not, it's not like anything. It's not like being before a computer. It's not like being with their friends. It's not, it, there's nothing like this, this time. And for you to think that they're just going to catch it, 
they're not just going to catch it. They're not. And so they need to be taught. This idea is that we, we would approach God in a different and careful way. And this needs to be taught to our children. It's interesting, um, in church here, and I, I just want to throw some things out here. Uh, your kids need to be taught, that, that as they start, as a littlest of infants, uh, they don't know anything. And so there's plenty of, like, you know, if they, I always think it's funny when... Uh, a young mom, uh, their, their baby starts crying in church, and they go, shh. <laughs> Baby's not going to be shh. In fact, uh, if the baby uh, understands that the mom is trying to quiet them down, in their rebellious heart, they will cry louder just to rem- Remember, remind their mom or their dad or whoever's holding them that they're in charge. Uh, this needs to be taught. And, but, but I, I want to tell you that that's fine for a one or a two-year-old to, to work through that with them. For a 12-year-old, not so much, right? They need to be taught. Uh, and, and what it is, it's not, that, uh, it's not about being rude. It's not about looking right. It's not about looking right. It's about what we're doing here, what we're doing here. What makes this time special, what makes this time even sacred is the Word of God, the God whom we worship, the the, the one we're singing about. And so as we direct and we teach our children, it's not about them looking right. It's about them engaging in what we're doing. We're worshiping God. God's important. You need to listen right now. You need to pay attention. You need to not uh, poke at your brother or sister. Well, why? It just seems like the right thing to do, poking. Well, no, because they need to hear about God, and you need to hear about God, and God is what we're here about. They need to be taught this. Uh, the idea of, uh, you know, as time goes on, potty breaks and snacks and rolling on the floor, that needs to, that's, the, that's what kids do, by the way. That, that's what they do. That's all they do. Like that, that's their natural tendency is rolling on the floor. When you say get up off the floor, they're going, what? That's crazy. It seems like a good idea. This is a good floor. Uh, um, but the idea of you teaching them, you teach them so that as time goes on, they would understand and they'd take their place as a worshiper of a holy God. As I consider this... Um, one of the greatest ways to teach children is by example, by example. The, the most powerful thing, it, it's so fascinating to watch kids uh, imitate and mimic their parents, their grandparents. And, and, and your attitude as you come before God, whether it's praying at home, whether it's your study of God's Word at home, or whether it's coming here and participating they will imitate you. And, and, and it will be this confusing thing to them if you say, sit there, pay attention, stop talking. You don't need a potty break. You don't need a snack. And, and you're looking on your phone, checking your emails. Now that's going to be confusing to those kids. And as time goes on, as they fully grow that brain, you know what they're going to do? 
Mom didn't care. Dad didn't care. They told me to care, but they didn't. And, and as, as they come together, as they come together, they will see in you. That as they walk with the Lord, as they grow, they will see in you. You're a worshiper of God, and they'll take their place next to you. I want to tell you that uh, they need to be taught. They need to have an example. It's fascinating to me that we will always struggle with this. We will always. There will always be things to draw us away. There were no cell phones in this day. I, I don't know if you knew that. Studied Hebrew to figure that out. There was no Facebook. There was no computer games. There was no, you know, but the distractions of life were right there. They were right there. And in the midst, and this is the, uh, the importance of worship, is that it's in the midst of the distractions of life that God's people say, push them all away. Now is a time for me to meet with my God. Now is a time where I need Him. I need Him. As you look at this passage, you realize that um, you know, th- this is uh, a different perspective than we may uh, be ready for. It says, guard your steps when you enter the house of God. And he says this, to draw near to listen is better. Is better. W- once again, that word better, uh, that's a tip-off in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're looking for that which is better. We're looking to draw ourselves away from the meaningless life to that which is meaningful. And he says, I want to give you some things that are better. And it comes up and it it tips us off. And what does he say is better? What's better is to come to listen. Come to listen. And and so there's an expectancy as we come before God. It's not what I can come and do and tell everyone else and even tell God, but it's what I can get from Him, that I'm a listener, that I'm expectantly hoping that God would speak into my life. I want to tell you, this is one of the great attitudes, the great changes of a heart of a believer. Um, a, a self-centeredness is, is common, uh, is common to everyone. Everyone struggles with self-centeredness. And as they grow up, uh, especially children, uh, they are always looking what's best for themselves. They're not looking for others. They're not looking to uh, serve others. They're not looking to serve God. And yet, that self-centeredness leaves us empty, doesn't it? And so this idea that says, I'm just going to do whatever I want, whatever comes to my mind, uh, that's really worship of self. But what, as God's people, as we come to worship, what is it? Uh, it? It's this idea that says, I need to listen. I'm looking for the answers that God would give me. I'm looking for God to change my mind. Because I struggle with getting the wrong answers. So coming to listen. This whole passage uh, is really uh, side by side with this idea of, of making vows and the vows being, I'm going to give. I'm going to somehow sacrifice. I'm going to somehow do something for God. Uh, by the way, that too um, 
It, when you get to the place in your life where you are saying, I'm going to do this for God, be careful. Be careful. Because sometimes we, we think that somehow God needs our help. You know, I'm going to do this for God, and boy, he's going to be happy with me. Couldn't have made it without me, so I'm going to help him. You know, he's been struggling, and so I'm going to do this for God. Be careful. Be careful. Uh, the, the passage here says, as we look at it, he says uh, that we should draw near to listen. It's better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. He's going to go on and share more about what that sacrifice of fools looks like. And, and really, the, this sacrifice that is not there to listen, that is not there to be a worshiper, he says this, they do not know that they are doing evil. you got to ask the question. we got to ask the question individually. Um, is our worship what God wants it to be? Is this acceptable in His sight? Is this what He wants? Uh, it could be evil. It could be evil, even as the passage says. He goes on in verse 2. He says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. He, he's speaking of the slowness of speech, of considering what you are saying. Uh, and some of the connections that we can have here is, be careful with what you say in regards to God. About, about Him and to Him. Our prayers should be uh, not, not things that we just blurt out and say things that we've said over and over again, but rather we are communicating with a holy God. These songs that we sing, be careful to check out in your, not check out in your mind. These words mean something. And most of these are directed to the God who we're singing about, Right? There, it's Him, and, and He's the one that we worship. And so He uses these words, don't be rash or uh, don't be hasty. It's this idea of just shooting off your mouth, uh, not reflecting on the God who, who you're speaking to. Okay? And so as we look at this, He says, guard your, guard your steps and go to the house of God. Listen, listen, don't look. For the sacrifice of fools, be not reckless. In fact, he goes on to say, he says, uh, at the end of verse 2, he says, therefore let your words be few. I want to back up for just a moment and tell you, he tells us why. Why is this so important for us to be careful? Why is it this idea of guarding our steps and guarding our words. Why should we not be reckless? Um, he says, and it's very simple, he just says that God's in heaven and we're on earth. He says, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Where's your home? Where's your home? Where do you live? I grew up in Santa Barbara, and some of you know Santa Barbara well enough. And uh, there's different parts of Santa Barbara. I always tease people that I was from the bad part of the, uh, you know, on the bad side of the freeway. Okay, um, which all the it's pretty nice everywhere. But if someone would say, you know, you're from the west side, and you go, oh, that's kind of a rough neighborhood. That's where my church was on the west side of Santa Barbara. 
Uh, or if someone said, you know, I live in Hope Ranch, and I go, oh, you live in Hope Ranch, do you? In fact, uh, uh, I didn't live in Hope Ranch. I went to the school with the kids that went to Hope Ran- that lived in Hope Ranch. And I remember a friend of mine say, you know, there's people were gathering together at someone's house in Hope Ranch. And he goes, I can't wear this. I can't wear this because I'm going to uh, a gathering at, in Hope Ranch, you know. It matters where you're from because people look at that and they say, oh, I know something about you by where you're from. And as he shares this, as he talks about the difference in God and man, he says, man, you are stuck on earth. You are limited and tainted by earth. You are part of the... uh, the sinful world that we live in, the culture, both uh, the, the world itself, and, and by your birth, you are marked by the earth in sin. And as we look at what the offer of the gospel is, is that, that we would be taken out of our sinful state in the sinful world and be brought to heaven to be with Him forever. And that's where he is. And so there's a distinction there that heaven is far above earth. Far greater in just location and and, and the idea of being from there. You're stuck with the things of this earth and God is in heaven. And so he is to be worshipped and we are to be his worshippers. And so as we consider coming before God, he says... uh, This should mark us to remember that He is far greater than us. This should cause us to watch our words, our steps, the way we treat Him. The familiarity of how we come to Him in worship. Well, uh, we go from looking at uh, watching our step worship to now speaking in the fear of the God, in fear of God. In verse 4, he says, For when you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it. Uh, it's the idea of making these big uh, proclamations of what you are going to do, how you are going to sacrifice. And he says, When you vow, uh, when you say to God, I'm going to do this, He says, do not delay in paying it. Go about and do it. When you make a promise to God, do what you have said. Why? Because he has no pleasure in fools. Fools shooting off their mouth and their words not being connected with reality. When we don't care about the things that we say, we're living in, not in reality, we're we're just saying words trying to uh, create a reality that doesn't necessarily exist. Do what you say when it comes to your vows before God. And as he continues this idea in verse 5, he says, It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Remember that. Uh, Don't be pressured to say great words. Don't be at church here or in your private prayers. Don't be pressured to say great things. He would rather we say nothing at all uh, to not make vows at all than letting our mouth move on. In verse 6, he says, let not your mouth lead you into sin. Once again, that should be a great um, cute 
sign in our homes. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, right? It should be up on the refrigerator and every place close to that. That we would be able to know that through us speaking, that we can lead our whole person into sin through the words that we say. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And then in the middle of verse 6, he says, And do not say before the messenger that that was a mistake. There's some question of who the messenger is. Uh, the word messenger um, in the Old Testament, New Testament as well, different words can be uh, a, a messenger is an angel. Okay, a messenger is an angel. But it can also be like an actual messenger, a person, a, a postman, if you will, ha- handing the message over. Uh, some have even suggested that this was uh, somehow a servant of the temple that would come and would say, hey, uh, you said in the temple, we heard you say that you were going to bring this sacrifice. Where is that sacrifice? Um, and kind of, some have said the, the tax collector, if you will, the bill collector. You know, uh, it's not necessarily that, but it's this idea that is holding others accountable. Um, it, it's easy for us to say words in a a moment of emotion and a desire to look good, but he says, don't go and say to the messenger, it was a mistake, I didn't mean it. It was just words that I was saying. It's important, the words that we say. Um, Middle of verse 6, he says, why should God be angry at, at your voice and destroy the works of your hands? Which brings us to this important, important, important picture. This, what does God think about the words that you say? What, is it a, what does He think about uh, the life that you're living and the words that you're saying? We care about so much. We care about so much. Uh, wh- wh- what does so-and-so think of me? What, what is my image? What is my image? Do people like me? Do people like me? Are they impressed by me? Uh, you know, what are they going to think if I do this instead of this? And as we uh, consider this idea of paying and sacrificing and saying words, in the middle of it, he brings this important truth Uh, that God could be angry uh, with the voice, the things that you say, and He could be against you. Why? Because our words are not worshipped to Him. They're not considering His greatness. Which brings us to the conclusion of a message this morning, verse 7, which is also a conclusion of the book in chapter 12. We'll get there someday. But he says this, for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear, the fear of God. And what he pictures for us is this, that in our interactions with God, there's a sense of worship and fear of him, that we should consider him in all that we do. We... uh, One of the great questions that we ask in life hundreds of times, sometimes hundreds of times a week, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? Some of you are going to go out to eat 
uh, today. And you're going to look at the menu, and you're going to say, what do I want to eat? And you're going to order, and they're going to bring your food. And, and some of you are going to look at it and go, oh, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I wanted. Take it back. It's not what I wanted. This isn't what I ordered. Um, others would say this. Um, hey, maybe they're going to uh, purchase a car or they're going to uh, get some clothes or they're going to make one decision over another. And they, they come to the, the, the decision making and the, they say to themselves, um, well, what will so-and-so think about the car that I got? What will, you know, does this look good on me? Will people think well of me if I wear these clothes? Will they, what will their opinion, how will their opinion change of me? As you look at this, when you come to the issue of fearing God, it's the idea of looking at the mass crowd of people that would uh, have opinions about what you are and aren't doing, including yourself in that crowd, and say, set it all aside. What does God think? What does He want? What does He want? Well, how does He want to be communicated to? I think so often uh, we try to train ourselves and our children and our grandchildren with just figuring out what they want in life and then going after it. I want to tell you that that's not the picture of Scripture, and it's definitely not the picture of what it is to be a worshiper. A worshiper is someone who looks upon the one who's worshiping, that, that one and ask the question, what does he want me to say? How does he want me to say it? How does he want me to approach him? What does he want from my life? This is what it is to worship. This morning, I, I want to give you three landing points uh, from our passage. And uh, we'll continue with this idea of fearing God in the weeks to come because it, it continues to come up in the book of Ecclesiastes. But first thing that I want to encourage you about is appropriate caution. Appropriate caution. We are a casual church here. You know why we're a casual church? Because we live in a casual community. Uh, if I showed up in a three-piece suit, which you probably can't even find a three-piece suit anymore. Nobody wears those. Uh, and I showed up on a Sunday morning, uh, it would be as if a Martian invaded here at Bear Valley Church. I want to tell you that, but there's an appropriate caution for us all as we come before the Lord. That when, when we, uh, first of all, have times in our life where we're seeking after God, that we prepare our steps, right? That we think through how we approach our God. That we realize that there's this uh, important relationship that we have with God, Him being from heaven and us being connected with this perishing earth. So that there should be an appropriate caution. And remember that appropriate caution should be taught to our kids and grandkids. I know often um, in 
my own life as I look at uh, my children and my children's peers and uh, even those who are younger. Um, sometimes when we, we look at the next generations and we say, ah, the kids these days. The kids these days have been shaped by the parents and grandparents of these days. And to embrace that we have somehow left them a model that for whatever reason was confusing for them to follow. And to extend to them grace and as well as redouble our efforts to say, hey, I might have missed sharing this with you as you were growing up. I, I should have talked to you about this sooner. But I want to talk to you about this, that, that when we see the mistakes and the failings of the next generation, that we would embrace those as we played a, a huge role in them and to instill in them this appropriate caution when it comes to worshiping God. Secondly, a landing point for us this morning is to have few and careful words, few and careful words. That we would not be ones to quickly answer, to not be ones to quickly have grand uh, declarations of our love for God, but to, to realize that our words should be few and careful and communicate to our God how much we love Him. And then lastly, in all things, that we would fear God, that we would fear God, not man. Fear God, not man. As we look at all the pressures in life, and there are many pressures. Uh, if I were to go around right now, I bet you each one of you could tell, tell of an area in your life right now where you're feeling pressure to do something different from a person. It might be your own thoughts. It might be uh, family members. It might be your coworkers. It might be your friends that you feel like you will lose if you follow after God. And I just want to tell you, out of all the voices that have an opinion about what you should and shouldn't do, fear God, not man. Fear God, not man. Please join with me in prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, God, uh, as we, we thank you for this time, we realize that um, it's necessary for us to be changed. God, we're drawn to care uh, about um, how we look and what we say and uh, the persona that we uh, put off and how others would view us. And God, that's not worship. Not worship of you. Maybe worship of self and others, but not worship of you. God, I ask that you would uh, make us mindful to guard our steps. I pray that we would understand what that means for us as we uh, seek you and worship. God, I do pray for the next generations to come, that they would uh, learn what it is to worship you and that they would uh, care about what you think about their lives. God, I know we all struggle with this, and I just ask for your grace and your help as we seek to be your worshipers. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.